Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. I want to talk about the importance of joy. So the title, if you're taking notes this morning, is Don't Let Satan Rob Your Joy. I mean, oh, this is a big subject right here. It's something we have to really fight for, amen, something we really have to deal with this morning. And how many of you, I'm going to ask another question, it's going to be an interactive message. Those that are watching online, we welcome you as well, as Jesse said. How many would want to be healthier? Maybe you're healthy, but you want to be healthier, amen? I think we could all be healthier. Well, I've got a message for you this morning, if you'll pay attention to this message, that I can guarantee, like they would say in Texas, guarantee that your health's going to be better. If you will let the Holy Spirit speak to you and let the spirit of joy come upon you, you will be healthier. That's a fact. Amen? Matter of fact, science says, science says, and you can Google this, Yahoo this, whatever you want to do to search it out. I'm going to give you six facts that are scientifically proven. They took these, these um, uh, stats did Sometimes it was hundreds of people, sometimes it was thousands of people, and they tested them to come up with this conclusion. Here's scientific facts about what happens when you're happy. Number one, happiness protects your heart. Now we're talking about your physical heart. I'm not talking about anything spiritual at this moment. I'm talking about your physical body. Science says that when you are happy and joyful, it protects your heart. Number two, happiness strengthens your immune system. So it fights disease. Number three, happiness combats stress. How I many of you can't be stressed and happy at the same time? Am I right about that? Doesn't mean that you can't be dealing with some stuff, but you can't be both. You can't be happy and jo- joyful at the same time. So when you're joyful, it deals with your stress. Number four, people have fewer aches and pains. How many can use some less aches and pains? Number five, happiness combats disease and disability. And number six, this is a great one, happiness lengthens our lives. How many would like to live longer lives? Amen? So this is, this is scientific factor. But I want to give you a, an understanding this morning that this is something that the devil fights. He does not want us to be happy. He does not want us to be joyful. He wants us to be upset. And I'm going to prove to you in the Bible, Proverbs chapter 17, if you're taking notes, verse 22, that straight out of God's word, being happy and joyful, which, by the way, is a decision. You have to decide to be. How many know you make that decision? Some people say, well, it's the things happening to me that makes me happier or sad. No, you make a decision every day if you're going to be happy or sad. And you have to dictate your feelings. But the Bible says a merry heart does good. And look what it says. It's like medicine. A merry heart is like medicine to your body. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. So I'm going to go on record this morning and tell you that it's very possible, church, that if you're feeling stressed and you're feeling sick, And I'm not talking, church, about a common cold. I'm not talking about getting allergies like I'm dealing with right now. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about in general, you're sick, you don't feel good, you're you're, you're hurting. It's possible that joy is not in your life like it needs to be. Amen? And you need more joy. And so as we go through these scriptures, I want you to to try to open up your hearts and say, God, I'm going to work on this. 
and I'm not going to let, let Satan steal my joy. Or how about not letting Satan use people to steal your joy? Don't let anybody around you steal your joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for what you already did in the first service, God. We had a great service and a great altar call and a great time of decision. And your presence was here and it's here again this second service. And you're touching all those that are here and you're touching all those that are online. And, Lord, you're speaking the word of God to us, your word that is like medicine to our soul. Anoint my words to get out what you've put in my heart and touch and deliver and set free and bring forth fruit from your word in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. I want to read another verse in Nehemiah chapter 8, very well-known verse. It says that when we are joyful, we're strong. It says, he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to them who, who, for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And it says, do not sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many of you have ever heard that verse before? We sing songs about it. It's very, very important that there's actually a strength in being joyful. But as I'm beginning to say this, I can read the clouds above some of your heads, and I can tell that some of you are thinking, as I'm speaking, I want to have joy, but you don't understand who I'm married to. I just I don't know where that came from. Amen. You, I, I want to have joy, but you don't understand what's in my bank account or what's not. I want to have joy, but you don't understand how I physically feel. Or Go on and fill in the blank for what it is, and I can see that some of you might be thinking that. And I want to give you a notice today that the joy of the Lord does not come from your circumstances. And a matter of fact, I want to read the definition of joy. And I want you to think about something. This is what the definition of joy says. And I found this very, very interesting. You know, sometimes I like to use definitions to give us an understanding of the word. But here's what the dictionary says, Webster's Dictionary, about joy. It says, the emotion evoked... By listen to this, by well-being. So in other words, they're saying you're joyful, you feel an emotion when, you're have, when you have a well-being. Another one is when you're successful. The dictionary says that you are joyful, that there's a feeling of emotion of joy when you're successful. And another one says there's a feeling of, a jo- of emotion of joy when you have good fortune. Now here's what's interesting. Those, that definition is not a biblical definition because those things really should be under the word happiness because lots of people today are happy or not happy dependent on their success or dependent on their uh, physical well-being or dependent on the money they have or don't have. I want to give you a notice this morning that the Bible tells us that we can have a joy that comes from the Lord that is not dictated or has nothing to do with the circumstances in our life. You can be going through all kinds of problems, have all kinds of health problems, have no money in the bank, and still be joyful. And the flip side of that is there are people today who have all kinds of money in the bank and are very successful and are not happy. Is that true? There was a there was a there was a, 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 a movie way back in the '80s that was filmed in the city that I grew up in in Tucson, Arizona, called "Can't Buy Me Love." Well, money can't buy happiness either. Money can't buy peace. Money can't buy joy. These are things that come only from the Lord, Church. 
And today I want, I want to change your thinking because God wants us to be more healthy and he wants us to be joyful. But I believe that a lot of times our joy is dictated by what we have going on in our lives instead of saying, what does God's word say over my life? How many will just give me the chance to teach you this morning what the word of God says about our situation and about our emotions? This is something that it is the will of God for us all to be joyful. Okay? It's the will of God. But we have to find true joy not in the things. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't be more joyful if you have some money in the bank or more joyful if you feel good. That's obvious. Or more joyful if you're being successful. I'm not saying that we should like any of those things that not be successful. We should try to be successful. We should try to be feel good. But that's not where our true joy comes from. Because Jesus said in John 15, and I want you to see this, that our joy does not come from our circumstances, but it comes from him. John 15, 10 says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. How many know that you feel good when you're doing right? When you're in obedience, you feel good. You're doing what the Lord says, and Jesus says, I did this on this earth. I want to make my father proud. I want to do what he asked me to do. And he, he said, if you'll do that, something will happen. Watch what this next verse says. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be half full. How does it say? Full. That your joy may be full. God wants us to be joyful this morning. But church, how are we going to win the lost? How are we going to reach people for Jesus and tell them that we've got a life-changing situation if we're not happy about it? I'm not talking about the bad day you have. We have bad days sometimes. Sometimes we wake up, as they say, on the other side of the bed. I think some people fall on that side a lot. Amen. But there's a saying, right? I woke up on this wrong side of the bed. We have bad days. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you're wanting people to see the Jesus in you, they need to see something in you that makes them want to have what you have. If you walk around looking like you were baptized in lemon juice, there ain't nobody going to want what you want. Amen. Here, taste this. It's really good. Right? But if you are happy and there's a joy in you and, and, and you can live a life where when people are looking at your life, they don't know if you're up or down. Can I challenge us this morning that that's really what God wants? He wants people to look at our lives and them think, man, they must have just won the lottery. Man, they must have the perfect marriage. Man, they must have $100,000 in the bank. We want people to look at our lives and think that, and we could be the opposite. We could be struggling with our marriage, have no money in the bank, have cancer, sickness, disease, and still be joyful because it's not based on what's on this earth. It's based on something bigger. My joy comes from the Lord. And I think about someone like my mom who was here last week on Mother's Day. If you don't think that's the truth, she's been sick for 20 or 30 years. And she's one of the happiest people I know in the world. She's always happy. If you got to see her last week, she's happy. Her circumstances of being in a wheelchair and being paralyzed and having all these situations does not affect her joy. Amen. How many are following me? You know why? Because my mom has an understanding that this isn't all there is. Is anybody thankful that this isn't all there is? 
We got something to look forward to. We've got heaven waiting for us this morning. And she knows, she knows that she's not always going to be in that wheelchair because there's coming a day when, and, and God can do it while she's on this earth too. That's the great thing. We have that hope and expectancy. She can get out of that wheelchair. But there's coming a day when she's going to get a glorified body. You're going to get a glorified body. You're going to get a glorified mind. You're going to get a glorified situation. And God can change things overnight. Amen. Listen to what this is. Psalm 1611. We find joy by abiding in God's word and in his presence. When you're in, think about this. If you're in God's presence, how could you be sad? Just stop and think about that for a second. That doesn't even make any sense. That you could be in God's, and I'm not talking about interceding for somebody or, or feeling empathy for somebody as you're praying. I'm talking about when you're in the presence of God. How can you be sad? And so he says there's something about getting into the presence of God. That's what we try to create here by our prayers. We come here, we pray before we worship, we pray before the service. Our team gets, tries to get our minds on God. And we come in as a church and we all worship together. And we try to usher in the presence of God. And there should be a joy in this place. Say, why do you clap so much? Why do you shout so much? Because we're happy. Why wouldn't we clap and shout? We're happy. Nobody died. There's no, there's no casket here. Jesus is alive. Amen. We got to be happy. We're going to live forever. Amen. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. You know where God wants you to be? He wants you to be at a place that the most joyful place for you, listen closely, is when you're in the presence of him. Is that possible? Yes. Is everybody there? Probably not. That's where God wants us to be. As I said a few minutes ago, when you think about, this is just the thing I use for myself. You know, the, the, the heart monitor has those things that go up and down, and there's a flat line between it. That, that, that has a different under, a meaning, but the picture... I picture our lives as that line going straight through and the ups and downs, life. When I'm going up and down, because tell the person next to you, you're going to have up and downs. How many have noticed that? Even as a Christian, tell the person next to you, have you realized, say this with me, have you realized that since you got saved, there's still problems? Then nobody gave you a disclaimer when you got saved that you were going to be in a divine bubble. And walk around with a halo and be above everybody and never have a problem again. That's, that's not in the word. But you can be in the presence of God and those things around you do not affect you. That's what God is looking for. Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy. Now, I want to read some things that I, that I thought about yesterday. And I want to give this to you because what we have to have to be joyful to make the decision is we've got to have an eternal perspective. We have to understand that this isn't it. This is, we are passing through, the Bible says. And this is what the world, when I say world, people who do not understand the Bible and do not understand God and do not understand Jesus' plan for salvation, they don't get this because their focus is on this world. And that's pretty sad because this world ends quickly for a lot of people. Today, as, we're, as we've been having church, hundreds of thousands of people have gone into eternity. Hundreds of thousands of people have died and gone into eternity. And all they ever thought about while they were on this earth was this earth. 
They thought about making money. They thought about being successful. They thought about being, having a good family. They thought about having a retirement. And they didn't give one second of thought to eternity. A Christian who loves Jesus Christ is the exact opposite. We do things because we know we're on this earth. We do things because the Bible tells us to occupy till he comes. We want to leave an inheritance for our kids. We work hard. We go through life. But our minds are not on this earth. Our minds are the understanding that we have an eternal home waiting for us. And that's where we're going. To spend eternity with God. And so when, you, when you're going through something here, you just say, this is just temporary. It's temporary. It's not going to be forever. Now, I want to give you some things. You can write them down. You can remember them, whatever. But this is just some of many that I want you to remember next time the devil tries to come steal your joy or somebody around you. Because you know you could be in a place of work. And I, I, I don't know this for sure, but I would say a lot of people don't hate their job as much as they hate the people they work with. Would anybody agree with me on that, Joe? <laughs> I wasn't thinking of you, but he says, that's me. Maybe it's not the thing they do. They might actually like their job, but there's negative people around them. People who are always down, always negative, always. And so I think that that's a situation we have to understand. And the devil uses people to rob you of your joy. Wake up in the morning and say, God, today I'm going to be happy. I'm going to walk in the joy of the Lord because it's my strength. And you get to work and someone steals it. They steal it. Can't let them steal it. Don't let people steal it. Listen, that's a decision. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. As just an example, when I come to church, I have to have the decision. Today's going to be a day of victory. God's going to move. God's going to heal. God's going to get lifted up. No matter what anybody else does, I'm going to make the decision. Today's going to be a good day. How many know if we'd all do that, God would move? So you go to work, people get around you, and they t or they tell you things that bring you down. They rob your joy. They steal your joy. I want you to remember some of these things. Number one, you need to remember that you are adopted into God's family. That should give you joy. Some people don't have a family that they are very proud of or a family that they're very involved in. We have dysfunctional families. How I many know today more than ever in the world we have dysfunctional families? But now we have been adopted into God's family. And it's not a perfect family, but it's a great family. This is a family for you. Many of you have found a family in this church, and we hope that that's the case. Another one is when somebody tries to rob you of your joy, you need to remember I am a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Did you hear what I just said? You are a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're not a child of Bill Gates. You're not a child of Jeff Bezos. You're not a child of some wealthy rock star or some athlete. Forget all that. You're a child of the King of Kings. God is your father. How could you lose your joy knowing that? Hello. Amen. We have to remind ourselves what the Word says. Here's another one. I am loved. I'm saying these for me, and you can grab them for you too. We, I am loved by God with a perfect love, a love that's so amazing we don't even grasp it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that if I would believe in him, I wouldn't perish, but I'd have everlasting life. How many know people are looking for love? 
looking for love in all the wrong places. Right? I don't know where that came from. <laughs> My dad, probably. Love. People are looking for love in the wrong places. We are loved this morning. We should be joyful to know that we have a God who loves us with a love that is real and genuine and not based on what we do. Not based on how we handle things. He loves us. Matter of fact, he loves us so much, the Bible says, for someone who maybe never heard the Bible, the Bible says that he loves us so much he even loved us when we were sinners. While we were still sinners, he died for us. Here's another reason we should be joyful. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. We've been talking about that the last few weeks. I'm not who I used to be. Now, this is one of the problems. This is one of the reasons. I know many of your testimonies. This is why a lot of Christians walk around deflated because you go try to tell your family that you're a new creation, and they don't understand. They see the person you were. They can't seem to let go of the person you were. People around you will steal your joy. You need to understand, it's not what people say you are. It's what Jesus says you are. That's where your true joy comes from. Not what the world says, but what Jesus says. And Jesus says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation and all the old things. And somebody say all. All the old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. And sometimes when the old past comes in front of you, you have to make a decision to not look at it. That was the old me. That's not me anymore. Your past will come back to haunt you sometimes. Sometimes when you're trying to get a job or, or something happens in a family, or a story comes up that you're embarrassed about or whatever, but you've got to remember that God says you're a new creation. How many believe this morning you are remarkably made? Divinely made. I'm not, as you know today, preaching the message that I mentioned last week I was possibly going to preach. I'm still working on it. God put a hold on it, probably preach in the next couple weeks but it's going to be about the cry of the unborn. It's going to be about babies who are being aborted and murdered in our country and around the world and, and how God formed us when we were in his womb. And we should understand that we are not mistakes. We are remarkably and wonderfully made this morning. Amen? And Amen. Come on. How many believe that? That should give you joy. And you are how God made you. And you need to understand that, and you need to be proud about who God made you to be. Here's a big one. This ought to give us some, some joy. I'm provided for. God is a provider. We, we've seen God do miracles in this place over and over again with people getting jobs and promotions. And maybe, again, your you're, you're first time here or you haven't been here. God has done, during this, this pandemic, God has done amazing things. Amazing. Did I say pandemic? Okay, good. He's done amazing things. Amazing things. We, we haven't lost jobs. We've got promotions. We haven't gotten kicked out of houses. We've bought houses. We haven't, we haven't borrowed. We've lended. God is doing tremendous things in this church because we have a provider. And we're not of this world's economy. We're of God's economy. Tell the person next to you, I'm of God's economy this morning. How many conquerors do I have in this place? Come on. 
You might not always feel like a conqueror, but the Bible says, I see them young people, there we go, I am a conqueror. Amen. How many conquerors do I have in here this morning? We should be joyful. He says we are actually more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. How many are getting where I'm going with this? We need to read the word because the word tells us things that should give us joy. The world's going to tell us things that would bring us down. Listen, this is a bad world, dark world. I don't even watch the news and the news finds me. Even if you don't want to see the news, you're still going to get bad news because someone's going to come up and say, hey, did you see? Did you hear? We just had, I just got horrible bad news that we need to pray for this family back here. Jimmy, the owner of the building's brother's employee, if you saw it on the news, this brother shot his sister and killed her this week in Denton. They worked for right back here. That hits close. A brother killing a sister with a gun. It's a sad world. But I can't let that rob my joy. Amen? We can't let what's going on. It doesn't mean we don't have empathy. It doesn't mean we don't have compassion. It doesn't mean that we don't care. It means we can't let those things that we can't control rob us of our joy. Amen? Because God's bigger than those situations. And what the devil wants is he wants us to forget who we are. He wants us to see certain circumstances he wants us to be hopeless. He wants to say this world's going to hell. No one's ever changing. Well, how about you? Did you change? We changed. Hello, am I talking to anybody here? I'm guilty of this too. Man, there's so much messed up people. But God says, yeah, but look at all the people that aren't messed up. Look at all the people that are serving me. Look at all the people that are changing their lives. Look at all the people that are preaching the gospel. Focus on those things that are going to give you joy. And don't let Satan rob you of your joy. Amen. I'm wrapped in God's arms. I'm going to come back in a second and read just a few more. I want to read another verse in, in Psalms 28, verse 7. New Living Translation. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Now, I want to hit something hard right here. Very important. If you want the joy of the Lord, you have to have something to go along with it. It's called trust. I believe people who have great joy in their life have learned the secret of trust. You might hear that and go, what are you talking about? It's the secret. It's a secret weapon. Because when you don't, what you do when you don't trust is you doubt. And when you doubt, fear comes in. And when there's fear, there's no faith. Y'all see where this is going? And when all those things are happening, you're going to be stressed. You're going to be sick. You're going to be upset. You're going to be mad. You're going to be sad. You're going to be everything but what God says he wants us to be, which is joyful. Amen? Are you all following me? And, and, I, and I, I've quoted this a lot of times over the years, but it just always stays in my spirit. And I want to be this person. Job said in the book of Job, and, and just to remind you again, I may be preaching to someone who's never heard a message before. This man named Job in the Bible was a good man, did nothing wrong. It was actually called blameless. And Satan came before God and said, I'll, I want to test him. See if he really loves you. See if he really trusts you. And God says, go ahead. I trust him. Job's going to pass the test. You do whatever you want to him, but you can't take his life. Now, some people might not like that part, 
I don't want to lose things, but I want God to brag on me. How many want God to brag on your faith? He says, go ahead. And he go, go ahead and leave that verse up. That's fine. He goes and tests him, and he loses everything. This is a man with great riches. And he doesn't just lose his money. He loses his kids. He loses his house. He loses his ranch. He loses everything. And then he loses, to me, in my opinion, what's the worst thing you can lose is your health. He loses his health, too. He didn't have like, well, I'm sick, but I got money. He lost everything. He's sitting in a pile of ashes, scraping boils off his body. And then to make things worse, his wife comes along and says, curse God and die. And guess what that same Job says in his book? Though God slays me, I will trust him. If I can tell you anything in the 30 years I've been saved that will get you a long way in the faith is you got to learn to trust God. Because you can have, that's how you can have joy in a bad situation. Because you can say, God, this doesn't make any sense at all. God, I don't understand this. But God, I trust you. And because I trust you, there's a joy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him sometimes. With all my heart, it says, he helps me. If you stay in the gospel long enough, you'll find out you, he helps you. There will be times you feel like, where are you at, God? But you'll see later on the road, he was there. You just couldn't see him. He was doing something else to keep you alive. He was killing another bird with that same stone. He was saving you from going off a cliff. He's, you'll just stay in this long enough, and you'll just get to a place where you just go, hey, this is a test. Let's get through it. Hey, this is for my faith. Let's get through it. You just start taking it like it is the blows, and you know that the joy of the Lord is your strength, and I'm not going to let Satan steal my joy. So I'm going to trust that God's in control of this situation. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. How many of you have ever had something good happen to you, and maybe it was graduating from high school. You got that diploma, and you thought, there's no way I was ever going to get this thing. I was one of them. Well, for sports, I would not have finished high school. I can tell you that right now. Maybe you got a check you weren't expecting. Maybe you got a, your first car or got your first check from a job. You get excited. There's things in life that get us excited. If I was to tell you this morning that I've got a million dollars sitting under every one of your seats, y'all would get excited. Right? I mean, to be honest. But what I'm telling you this morning is better than a million dollars underneath your seat. It's better. It's greater than a million dollars under your seat. It's the Word of God living, alive, and it gives us great joy and great strength. Now, here's just a couple more things. This is for somebody this morning. I'm not going to be grieving and sad, and I'm going to have joy because the Bible says I am not alone. People lose their joy because they feel alone. They feel lonely. They feel like nobody understands me. Nobody's around. God wants to be that person in your life that is your happiness. I'm talking to you this morning that God wants you to get to a place in your life where you're not happy when you're around a bunch of people. It's okay to be happy when you're around a bunch of people, but you're only happy when you're around people. When you're by yourself, you're sad. 
you're lonely. Your happiness is, is if you're around people. God doesn't want that. Now, I'm not talking about being lo- a lone ranger and being off on your isolation. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the relationship that says, all I need is God. All I need is God. Me and God is all I need. That's what that song says. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. I can't speak for you. That's where my true joy comes from, is who God is and what God has done for me. And that I've got a place that I'm going, amen, that I've got a future. I'm, I'm not alone. You know, church this morning, while we're sitting here, have you ever driven by a house? And maybe you had this for your own house. Some people in this church, even recently, have had a house built. They've moved into that house. While you were waiting for that house, it might have seemed like that house was never going to get finished. Right now, whether you know it or not, all of us have a house being built. An eternal home that will make that new house you had built look like a bathroom. Jesus said in his own words, I'm going away. And he said, in my father's house are many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you'll be also. Does that give anybody any joy here this morning? You might not live in the house you want to live in right now. But you got a house waiting for you that's going to be so amazing you can't even understand. And then God is so good that sometimes he even gives us a nice house while we're here. God can change your situation. Joy. But it, my joy doesn't come from that. That's, I'm not a fair-weather Christian. I'm a believer in Jesus in the good and the bad. I'm healed. Let me hit something here for a second as I begin to close. Healing is a very difficult thing. We're praying for a pastor right now in our fellowship in, in La Junta, Colorado, who we sent out last year, who a couple months after he got sent out got four, stage four cancer. And he's dying right now. He's in hospice. I don't understand that. I pray for him every day. I have his picture on my phone. I'm believing for his healing. You don't think I've prayed for 20, 30 years for my mom's healing does that stop me from praying for healing for somebody in this church? No. Don't go to hell over a mystery. Why does God heal some people, and why does God not heal others? We don't understand, but God's ways are higher than my ways. God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts, but I'm going to still pray for every single person with faith that Jesus can heal them, that Jesus can raise that man up even in hospice, out of that hospital. And he can be at conference shouting on that stage, Jesus is my healer. But don't lose your joy over the physical circumstances of somebody. Because that's not eternal. But I'm healed. I have a future. I just talked about that. I'm accepted. That ought to give you joy. You know, sometimes maybe you were that person. How many have ever played a game when you were a kid? Maybe you were, it was kickball or dodgeball. I hated dodgeball, by the way. Kickball or some game, and everybody lined up against the fence, and they said, let's pick teams. Remember those days? For some of you, I can just feel. It's just bringing back a bad memory right now. <clears throat> Don't go there, Pastor. Leave that alone. I'll take him. I'll take her. I'll take him. I'll take her. There's two people left at the end. And they're both fighting over who not to take. I guess I'll take so-and-so. You're chosen and accepted by God this morning. 
You're not going to be that last person at the end of the, of the picking from the team. Amen. God chose you while you were at your worst. And he has a plan and a future for you. And that should give you daily joy in your life regardless of what you're going through. Amen. As the musicians come, I want to read one more verse in 1 Peter chapter 1 if you're taking notes. You're going to have peace. Peace. Amen. Peace. Peace and joy are twins, cousins, brother and sister, however you want to call it. They go hand in hand. Amen? You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you what? You trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Church, we here today don't even see in our own eyes what so many people go through in this world. Christians today that are, go to, that go, are in church today in an underground church around this world that are there because they're risking their lives to be in church. It's real persecution, real pain, real suffering, and singing and shouting Jesus, and they're not ashamed because there's a joy that comes in their lives that does not come from my circumstances. It comes from who Jesus Christ is in our lives. Amen? Praise the Lord. You know, there's a lot of people today that have peace but don't have anything. There's a lot of people today that have a lot of things and don't have peace. Can't buy it. Can't buy joy. Joy comes from an understanding of who God is. And tell the person next to you this as we close. It's temporary. It, it can't rain forever, church. The sun's got to come out at some point. Your situation is going to change. That's the great thing about serving God is at any moment there's a hope for a miracle. There's despair all around, the Bible says. Romans talks about it. There's situations that are bad all around, but there's hope that God can change my situation. God can turn things around. As Jesse said at prayer, 15, 20 years as a meth addict, there were times where him and Elena sitting by his side did not have any hope for their marriage or their lives. But look at them today. Serving God because there's hope. There's hope in Jesus. All you got to do is say, Lord, if you can change them, you can change me. Some are walking around sick and sad and mad and upset, and you're letting the devil steal you of your joy. And I say this morning, stop it. Don't let him rob you of your joy anymore. Don't let people rob you of your joy anymore. Jesus finishes, finishes this sermon for me with his powerful words. And I don't have this on the screen, but I just want you to listen to it. In John 16, he says something that I love. I love this about Jesus. Jesus keeps it real. He says, you're going to have lots of troubles. I'm very glad he didn't leave it there. But he was honest enough to tell us, it's not all going to be perfect. You're not going to live in a divine bubble. You're going to have people around you get cancer and die, and things are going to happen that don't make sense. Many tribulations you're going to have in your life, he says. He says, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. 
How many know there's nothing in this place this morning that you're facing that Jesus can't change? No sickness, no situation, no problem that God cannot reach down and fix right now. And you know what? Even if he doesn't, I've got a mansion just over a hilltop waiting for me anyways. I've got a glorified body just waiting for me on the other side of eternity. I've got a rich bank account from all the times I've given into the kingdom of God waiting for me where rust and moth cannot destroy. And the three things I just said, I know you were deep in thought, but the three things I just said should give you great joy. Because they don't have anything to do with what's going on in this world right now. Father, give us revelation of the power and the strength of joy. Something that's so fought, fought so hard to have joy. And the reason the devil fights it so much As the Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy is because he knows how powerful joy is. He knows it's healing to our body. It's like medicine. Going back to that very first verse, church, joy is like medicine to our bodies. A happy, content heart that does not allow the things of this world to get us down. As you're praying this morning and your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, let the Holy Spirit Begin to fill you right now with joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. You know, if you're here in this place this morning and you don't know Jesus, then you would be sad. Matter of fact, if you don't know Jesus, all the joy you've ever had, all the happiness you've ever had is temporary. Because eternity is forever. Churches, we're listening to the Holy Spirit right now. Billions of people today are making the choice to love this world and love things that are temporary and get temporary joy and happiness. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? But today you can put your faith in Jesus and the joy that you have temporarily on this earth can turn into eternal joy. Jesus, as you're listening, was sending out the 72, and they went out and they preached. He said, go preach, go cast out demons, go lay your hands on the sick. And they did it, and they came back, and they said, Jesus. And they were so excited. They were jumping up and down. They were shouting. They were, they were so happy. And they said, Jesus, even the demons are subject to your name. He said, don't be happy about that. He said, be happy that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Can I leave you with that thought this morning, church, as you're praying? What am I trying to say with that? That means no matter what else is going on in my life, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And nobody can take my name out. Nobody. They might be able to steal my joy. They might be able to steal my things. They might be able to steal my health. They might be able to steal my time. But they can't steal my name from the book. And that's all that matters. But if you don't know Jesus this morning, your name's not in that book. How many here could say honestly before God, if I died today, I don't know what I would say to a holy God. I don't know where I'd spend eternity. I want to tell you today, you can be saved. You can be born again. You can become a new creation. You can become all the things that I just said in this sermon by putting your faith in Jesus. How many could say, I've never done that today? Just lift your hand up and put it right back down. I want to pray for you. 
I see your hand, young man. How many more? I've never done that. I've never put my faith in God. I'm not ready to meet a holy God, a righteous God. I've made too many mistakes. I've gone too far. I've messed up too many times. How will God forgive me? Here's another thing you are this morning. You're forgiven. The Bible says your sins are as far as the east is from the west. All the sins you've ever done have been thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. It's a day you are a new creation if you put your faith in Jesus. So I don't care what you've done. God doesn't care what you've done. It's under the blood. All you got to do is confess it. And he's faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sins. And it says cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. How many more quickly could just say pray for me, Pastor? I want Jesus to come into my life today. I see your hand. How many more? I see your hand. God's touching hearts. Church, this is why we're here. We're not here to have a social club. We're not here to, to just high-five each other. We're here to do business with God. We're here to make a decision that can transform our lives and take us from a destiny towards hell and destruction and darkness to a, to a road of happiness and joy and peace that only comes by living for a God that loves you and gave everything for you. Would you stand all across this place this morning? And as you do, let's just stay in this spirit of reverence. The, the spirit of the living God is here right now. He's here and he's knocking, the Bible says, right now on your heart of your life. And he says in Revelations 3, I'm knocking and I need you. To, you need to open the door. He doesn't force himself in. He knocks. He says, if you open the door, I'll come in. How many of you that have opened the door have seen what God can do when you open the door? He says, I'll come in and sup with you. He says, I'll come in and dine with you. How many know when you sit down at a table to eat with somebody, you know them? You know them. There's, there's, a, there's an intimacy there. Jesus says, I'll sup with you if you open that door up. And then you get all these benefits. People promise us stuff all the time on TV. They promise us all kinds of salesmen. They promise us things. Jesus promises things, but he comes through. Hands went up, but maybe you're still here. And maybe today is the last chance you ever get to hear a gospel message. Maybe it is in the 927 of Hebrews for you tomorrow or next week. To stand before the living God, it says, it's appointed unto man once to die, and then comes judgment. You trying to scare me, Pastor, if that's what you want to call it? I'm trying to tell you that you can die real quick, and then you got to stand before a holy God and be judged. And the only thing that I'm going to say, and I'm not even going to have to say it, but if I had to speak, I would say Jesus. But the cool thing is, is because of my faith in Jesus, Jesus is going to speak for me. And he's going to tell the Father, he believed on me. I died on the cross for his sins, and I took his place. He's with us. And my name's going to be in the book. And today, if you raised your hand, that's going to happen to you. Maybe you're here and you didn't raise your hand. And if you haven't, you know why? Because the devil don't want you to. He wants you to go to hell with him. I don't know why you didn't raise your hand. If you don't know Jesus, I don't know why. It'd be like telling me you're going to walk out of here without grabbing that million-dollar check under your seat. 
Why would you do that? But some people will. I can already see some of y'all thinking, is he really serious? There's something under my chair. Some of y'all are going to check. There is. Eternal life is here right now. All you got to do is accept it. So if you raised your hand and you meant it, there's an aisle near your seat. Would you step out and come down here and let me pray with you this morning? And maybe you didn't raise. Come on, just step out. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come. Come on. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come. Amen. That's bold. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to wait just a moment. I saw some other hands. We don't, we don't try to embarrass people. We don't try to point people out. But the Bible says if you'll confess Jesus before man, he'll confess you before the Father. But if you deny him before man, you'll deny him before your Father. If you can't stand up in a church full of people and say, I believe in Jesus, you'll never do it out there. So that's why we ask you to come. That's why we ask you to make a statement of faith. Let's say this prayer together. There's people watching online. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I fall short of your glory. I am lost this morning and hopeless, but I believe that you came down from heaven and lived in a human body, being fully God. And you died on the cross to take my place. You shed your blood so that I could be forgiven. Jesus, I accept that and believe that with all my heart. Please forgive me of all my sins. Wash me clean with your precious blood. From this day forward, with your help and the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to die to myself, and I'm going to live for Jesus. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.